630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. So the Maple Leafs without John Tavares taken to hospital after being taken off the ice on a stretcher partway through the first period, took a knee to the head. Accidental as far as I'm concerned from Corey Perry, but Tavares out for this one. Maple Leafs and Canadians 1-1, six and a half minutes left in the second period. Penguins leading the Islanders 3-2. That's five minutes into the third and about six minutes left in the third period. The Lightning with a 5-4 lead on the Florida Panthers. So five and a half minutes to go there. Lightning trying to go up 3-0 in the series. We'll see if they can hang on. Golden Knights and Minnesota series is tied 1-1. They're back in mini now. They're going to face off in about half an hour. Bottom of the fifth, the Blue Jays trailing the Red Sox 5-3. And the PGA Championship round one today. How about this? Corey Connors, the Canadian, has the lead. Shot a 5-under 67. There are six golfers, two shots back, including Keegan Bradley and Brooks Kepka. Phil Mickelson, three off the lead. Gary Woodland, former U.S. Open champ, he's three off the lead. But Corey Connors, a really good Canadian golfer, he has the lead after the first round. Going to try to watch some of that on the weekend for sure. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Always happy to hear from you. 780-496-0063 is the hotline presented by CertainTeed professional grade building materials oilers and jets tomorrow the face-off shows at five we'll have five we'll have two hour face i almost said five hour face-off shows that would be a long pregame show two hour face-off shows throughout the postseason and hopefully it is a long one for the edmonton oilers back-to-back games of course sunday and monday both of those in Winnipeg. Yessi Pugliarvi has the Oilers' only goal of the postseason, and Dave Tippett was asked about Pugliarvi's performance. Well, he's that big body. You see how goals are scored, going to the net, getting around the net. That's how, that's how he scored last night, you know, going to the net. So he's done that all year for us. I mean, he's he's really uh, come back and, and jumped in the North American game and really, really embraced that part of it you know the compete to get to the front of the net compete and stay in front of the net and find the loose pucks around there so he's uh you know he's certainly his body size and his speed and tenacity bodes well for a playoff style game well we've seen him progress all the way through from from coming back uh over adapting the north american game again but his game continues you know it's just it's maturity he's becoming a good player with experience in the league but he has he has strong work ethic and strong talents that uh, that go with it so he's a very motivated guy right now wants to be a top player and uh, you know in games like that last night first playoff game he gets his first uh, playoff goal so it's good to see the work the work he's putting in and the effort he's putting in is getting rewarded I didn't mind Pugliarvi's game at all last night. He has come a long way. And, hey, he's not perfect, but he's making a lot of plays. He's a lot more comfortable. He's a lot more composed. He's making proper decisions, and he's getting the puck away quickly when he has a chance to shoot. He's not fooling around or thinking, maybe I better pass it or overhandle it, and that's how he goal, got the goal last night. So that was an encouraging performance, absolutely. All right, we want to look around the league a little bit here. It's been an exciting series between the Bruins and the Capitals. All three games have gone to overtime. Taylor Hall scored a beauty last night for Boston from 98-5 
the Sports Hub in Beantown, radio color analyst for the Bruins and a former Edmonton Oiler. It is Bob Beers on the line. Hey, Bob, thanks for checking in. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you. Good to have playoff hockey back again. That's for sure. Yeah, well, what a start, eh? I, I mean, uh, three overtime games in your series, uh, and maybe as nasty as ever in some of the other series. It 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 got going in a hurry, man. Yeah, we're. I mean, we're concentrating on Washington, Boston. Obviously, um, you know, when when it first started, you had four teams in the East that I don't think anybody would be surprised uh, who would come out of there. Whether it's the Islanders, Pittsburgh. Washington or Boston, you know, whoever wins that first round, I don't think anybody would be surprised. There's no upsets there. There's four very evenly matched teams, although they're, they're different types of teams, but anybody can come out of that. And, um, you know, the Boston-Washington series has been a lot of fun to watch. Three overtime games. Yesterday was two overtime. So it's it's just it's so tight right now, and it could go either way, and I don't see that changing in the next couple of games. I want to ask you about that overtime goal by Smith. And, you know, obviously the, the Capitals are, are getting criticized for how that played out. I mean, look, you played defense, so you had hundreds. Well, actually, Bob, you, you probably had thousands of situations <laughs> in your career where the goalie stopped the puck and behind the net and, and you went and got it and started the breakout. And it's usually such a simple play. And I think a lot of fans are sitting there saying, how can they possibly screw that up? Like, how do you look at that? Was that a mess up? Was that a great play by Smith? Take us through that experience. No, it was a mess up. There's no question. Um, I mean, you know, it gets overlooked so much because when goaltenders go back to play the puck and when they play it properly and they and they make the right read and the defenseman, you know, they, their communications there between the D and the and the goaltender, it just gets overlooked because it happens so often, right? I mean, um, and... You know, no one's going to confuse Samsonov for somebody like Marty Brodeur, who was just unbelievable playing the puck. But th- there's a play to be made there. And if you're Schultz and you're going back and you're the defenseman, this is, what, this is the way I saw it anyhow. He takes a look over his left shoulder. He knows that Craig Smith's right there. He's he's coming hard. So he's he takes one step towards the corner. Like he's going to veer off and that Samsonov can play the puck over to him. And then when he realizes that Samsonov left the puck there, now it's too late. Smith is already there. So, you know, I, there, there's probably blame on both sides, I guess, but I'm a defenseman, so, or I was a defenseman. So, you know, I'm saying, you know, just chip the puck into the corner and, you know, Smith's coming hard and I'll veer off and you, you chip the puck to me and, and now we're, you know, we can make a different play. So, yeah, I do think it was a little bit more on Sam Sonoff. Goaltenders, former goaltenders might have a different read on it, but, um, Hey, it was red wrong and good on Craig Smith. He was able to get in there quickly and, and finish it off. And yeah, a bit of a, I'm not, I'm not going to call it a fluke because you know, it just, it it's, it's hard work by Smith and he's able to get there and, and make the play, but a little unfortunate for the capitals in that sense where, you know, there was a play there to be made. I, I think one of the, the big highlights from that game was Taylor Hall's goal coming across the front of the net and spinning his body and then just a perfect shot right up under the crossbar. And look, he, he still gets followed very closely here in Edmonton. It, it seemed like nothing was going in for him with the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, that that goal and, and many others, he, it's, he is, would you say he's doing exactly what the Bruins got him to do? No question. Um, and I wasn't sure of it coming in, you know, uh, you know, he, he, he came, he came in with two goals, you know, playing with Buffalo. So you're unsure of how he's going to come in and react and how he's going to, 
um, fit with with David Krejci uh, on that line and Craig Smith. And, you know, I, I think the goal scoring is certainly one that will stand out to a lot of people and what he's been able to do that way. Um, and I didn't, you know, I, I got to admit, I mean, I didn't see him every day like you guys did when he was in Edmonton, but he's done a lot of the other things that maybe you didn't expect him to do. Um, you know, he's he's not going to win a Selkie, but he's he's worked hard coming back into the zone, uh, back checking, uh, being hard on pucks, that type of thing. And that that's what's, you know, the, the goal scoring and the assists and, and how he, and the chemistry with with uh, his line mates has been great. And that's what everyone's going to focus on. And, and certainly it's a huge part of it. But he's done a lot of other things. And um, the coaching staff has been quick to point that out. Whenever Bruce Cassidy's talked about Taylor Hall and what he's done, um, you know, and how good he's been away or how good he has been away from the puck as well as with the puck and, and the plays that he's made. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's been he's been very good. He's given them the two lines that, you know, the secondary scoring, that type of thing where he doesn't have to be the guy, right? He's a left winger. Marshan's a left winger. You know, so you've got you got a pretty good left side on your top couple of lines there that can score anytime they're on the ice and can do things uh, effectively. And so yeah, he he's been a great fit with Boston, and just hope it continues. He's he's been really good, and you know we we don't get a chance to be around the guys, so I haven't really gotten to know him at all. I haven't met him. I've just talked to him a couple of interviews, but um, he he's fit in great here. Bob Beers joining us at Inside Sports, talking a little bit about the Boston Bruins and their series with the Washington Capitals. Also in that trade was Curtis Lazar, who when he was an Edmonton Oil King several years ago was outstanding, arguably the, the greatest uh, Oil King f- from the modern day incarnation of the franchise. When I saw that trade, I thought, man, you know, Boston's such a deep team. Uh, how much is Curtis going to get to play uh, with the Bruins? But uh, when I watch and I look at the ice times and stuff, like, like he's he's right in there. It looks like he's become a pretty uh, important depth guy for the Bruins. Well, you, you're telling me something I didn't know with the Oil Kings. I really didn't. I didn't realize that. I know he's a first round pick, and he was a captain of what the World Junior Team, right? But um, no, he's fit in well. Um, so he's kind of fourth line guy, uh, but he kills penalties. Uh, he, he takes important faceoffs. Uh, he's played alongside. Right now, he's playing alongside Sean Corrali and and, and Chris Wagner. Uh, and that's a good fourth line for the Bruins. I know that the Capitals have a really good, and I don't know if you call them third or fourth line. I'm not sure. I think they use them more as a third line, and that's Dowd and and um, and Haglin and Hathaway. They they've been really good. So they haven't gone head to head that much. But you know, you, so when you look at depth in your lineup, you, they needed somebody to kind of step in and give them some depth, whether it's a center or a right wing. Lazar's a right shot. So if Corrali plays center, Lazar can move over to the right side, but it's been more Lazar in the middle, Corrali on the left, and now Wagner here in the playoffs on the right. And it gives them a physical presence, uh, guys that can be pests, um, certainly penalty killers. Uh, love Lazar's energy level. Uh, I mean, it's it's always high. Um, he, he really, he, I think he's fit in great, you know, with the team and, and the kind of the makeup of the team and the, and the um the way that they kind of go about their business. I, th- I think he's fit in really well there, uh, well-liked, and obviously, you know, always always working extremely hard. So that's something that Bruins fans love, and they can they can rally around when they see a guy like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad to see him doing well. Bob Beers joining us on Inside Sports. Okay, 
Bob, I, I usually pull you down memory lane for one or two. <laughs> I, I still remember you talking about uh, winning the IHL championship with the Utah Grizzlies in 96. That was a great segment we did. Uh, I'll ask you, I'll come at you from this angle today. Um, I mean, you played 21 NHL playoff games and a whole bunch more in the minors, uh, and you've just covered three overtime games. Does Bob Beers, the player, have a memorable overtime moment from any point in his career? Oh, um, oh, there's been a few. I, I will say that. I know Gary Galley, uh, who does uh, a lot of TV up in Canada, he, he scored an overtime goal against Montreal Canadiens. Um, might have been 90 or 91. I'm not sure which year it was, but it was a phenomenal goal. Um, but I, I think from a personal standpoint, I, I think um, with the Utah Grizzlies, also you brought it up. I'll, I'll bring it up. We, we won the championship in the IHL in four games. We beat Orlando four games straight, but three of the games went to overtime. And uh, the overtime winner to, to clinch the whole thing um, was, uh, was pretty special. I, I wasn't part of it, but uh, I was on the bench for it. I mean, I was in the game, but I was on the bench for it. And it was, uh, it was um, for, for me, one of the most enjoyable years I ever had, even though it was, you know, it was in the IHL. The old IHL. Yeah. Yeah. Rob Brown has a lot of great stories about that league. Oh, too. yeah. He was a great player for Chicago. Yeah. 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 Well, you shut him down, though, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> they had a great team, right? Him and uh, I think I think uh, Stevie Malte was there. And uh, Rob Brown, was. he was, I mean, we all know what he did in the NHL, right? So he was he was outstanding in the, in the minors. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, uh, Bob, thanks for checking in. I know obviously it's a busy time for you and, and you've been working overtime <laughs> with all the games too. So it's always a pleasure to have you on Inside Sports. We appreciate the update. Let's do this again soon, okay? All good, Reed. Thank you very much for having me. Right on. That's Bob Beers, Bruins radio analyst, 98.5, the sports hub in Boston. Nothing but positive things to say about Taylor Hall's contribution to the Bruins as they lead that series 2-1 against the Capitals. Montreal and Toronto, just over a minute to go in the second period there. They are still tied 1-1. Oh, and Penguins and Islanders. It's now 3-3 with 13 minutes left in the third. And the Panthers tied it. The Panthers tied it. So they are going to overtime with the Lightning. It's 5-5. It's 720. named Gary wrote in last night after the game and said, Reed, it's not true that there are fewer penalties called in the playoffs. So I looked at some stuff. Now this year, there haven't been a lot of playoff games, but each team, uh, sorry, the average power play number of power plays for a team this past regular season was 2.89 per game. Well, it is way down in this playoffs to 2.39, but here's the interesting thing. Last year, regular season, 2.97 in the regular season, three and a half power plays per game per team in last year's playoffs. 2019, 2.97, pardon me, 2.92 in the regular season, just over three in the playoffs. And then in 2018, 3.04 in the regular season, 3.19 in the playoffs. So the previous three seasons, there have actually been more power plays 
in the playoffs than in the regular season. And yet people like me, as I was saying last night, still say, well, they don't call as many penalties in the playoffs. So that's actually proven not to be true, though perhaps it seems like there's more they let go in the playoffs because players try to push it a little further. But uh, thanks to Gary for writing that in last night. I'm glad I looked that up. Okay, we got to do the news and weather. Or oh, did Toronto just score here, Kellen, as I was reading those stats? No, they didn't. That was a highlight. <laughs> I'm in a time warp. Somebody help me. Uh, it's 1-1 now after the second period. Uh, Matt DeBurris from Kissing Country. Oh, man. He's naked. We'll tell you why. It does tie into the Oilers. And we got another soccer star on the horizon here in Edmonton. All that coming up. the update overtime just underway in tampa it's 5-5 between the panthers and the lightning eight minutes left in the third period the penguins now ahead of the islanders 4-3 jeff carter has scored his third of the playoffs his second tonight to give the penguins the lead canadians and maple leafs 1-1 after two john Tavares taken to hospital in the first period after taking a knee to the head from Corey Perry, Golden Knights and Wild will drop the puck in a few minutes. Corey Connors, the Canadian, with a two-shot lead, five under par after the first round of the PGA Championship. Blue Jays have gone ahead of the Red Sox. It's 6-5 in the bottom of the sixth. Oilers and Jets tomorrow. Five o'clock face-off show. Game at seven here on 6.30. Ched, last night, Tononato, deflection goal. Remember back to the bubble playoffs. A lot of deflection goals by the Chicago Blackhawks. Here's head coach Dave Tippett. Like you could do that 10 times. He couldn't make that 100 times. He couldn't make a deflection go off a post up in the other. Like those are ones that, those are playoff style goals that, um, you know, there was probably, I bet you there's 20 shots similar to that last night and one went in. You know, so to say that that's a problem with your is going in on you. Those are those are playoff style goals that that uh, pucks get thrown at the net. Some go in, some don't. But it's uh, it's not a high percentage play. It's not a play that you say, okay, we got to you know, like taking away an odd number man rush or whatever. You you've got pucks that just get thrown to the net, and and sometimes players get their stick on it, and they hope it goes in. A lot of times it doesn't, but the odd time it does, and that was the result last night. Well, I'll tell you what, Oilers have to store, uh, start uh, scoring some of their goals that way, down one nothing in the series to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, more on the Oilers coming up in a few minutes. I want to bring you a great local story that I think is becoming increasingly national and international in recent years. We've talked a lot about Alfonso Davies, the Edmontonian who's now uh, – already one of Canada's best soccer players of all time and is playing professionally in Germany and doing outstanding. Well, we got another youngster on the rise. And to discuss that, a guy who used to coach Gloria Amanda, it is Marco Basio on the show. Marco, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Great, great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for hopping on. This is an awesome story to tell. Uh, of course, you had to help me earlier today. Uh, his name is spelled G-L-O-I-R-E, if people see it, but it's pronounced Glory? Correct, yeah. Yeah, 
Okay, Lord, still Lord relatively young. Yeah, 22 years of age. T- tell me about his uh, his his journey through his soccer career and what uh, what Edmonton meant to him along the way. Yeah, you know what? Uh, Glory's an incredible young man. Uh, super proud of him. He uh, he came to St. Nick's um, for grades seven, eight, and nine. Uh, he thrived in our competitive environment and worked so hard. Uh, he often would like stay after school. Uh, so many stories of him coming uh, into my room, asking for the keys, wanting to go work out. We would go into the workout room, do, do plyometrics, core work. Uh, he'd go to the shooting wall and practice on his finishing. So he just thrived in our environment at St. Nick's. And, and uh, you know, it's just an amazing, amazing local story. And how did he eventually get noticed? Because he's playing at Oregon State. He's up for the Herman Trophy, by the way, which is the, uh, that's what American college soccer's equivalent of the Heisman. Is that a good way for people to understand it? Yeah, exactly. That's given out annually to the top soccer player in uh, in college in college soccer, and uh, he's a finalist, so he's uh, made it to the top three, which is pretty remarkable, and, and rightfully so. He scored... 15 goals led the nation in, in goals so pretty pretty cool story um you know speaking about his uh his rise and and uh you know a lot of uh, uh the impact that he kind of has with our kids our current current students he's um you know it makes me so proud because it's it's just truly an inspirational story the fact that He's a. He was not only strong on the pitch; he was also strong in the classroom. And uh, you know, from a, from the perspective of my students that are currently in grade nine, it's just a great, uh, inspiring role model to have. And uh, you know, he, he got noticed in grade nine by FC Edmonton. FC Edmonton brought him aboard with their local um, youth team, and then their youth academy and then the Whitecaps took notice of him and they brought him over for uh, several years with their youth academy and I shot up the ranks went to Whitecap 2 so the team right below the first team and was knocking on the first team's door and then there was a, a pinnacle moment where Carl Robinson called him up to the first team he was going to be playing with Alfonso Davies in uh in the canadian championship against the montreal impact and he just didn't get his uh his call to be on the field so uh at that moment it was just uh he had to kind of make a decision he went to college he went to oregon state university and and is just kind of lighting up the league so it's uh it's another product from edmonton another uh great soccer story and uh, I mean, obviously, Al- Alfonso Davies uh, had, had a difficult childhood and did not, uh, Glory, was he, was he not born in a refugee camp before he came to Edmonton? So Glory was uh, from Tanzania, and he left at uh, the age of seven years old, came to Canada, came to Edmonton, and uh, met Alfonso at St. Nick's. He was a year older than Alfonso, and... Uh, you know, coaching them both on the field at the same time was uh, truly a treat. Like, it was remarkable. We would show up to the field, and uh, here you have Alfonso carving up the field on the right-hand side, and then Gloria Amanda with his 
his ability to finish was just uh, truly remarkable. Yeah. So what's next for him? Uh, I don't know how much college he has left, but is he gonna, are we going to be seeing him getting a lot of caps with the national team? Is he going to go play in Europe? What's up next for Glory, do you think? You know, that's a great question. I think uh, it's one of those things where right now he has to make a decision if he wants to continue college or does he want to go to uh, explore the, the, you know, the pro route. Uh, Vancouver Whitecaps own his rights right now, so he would have to um, possibly sign with a, a, a homegrown contract with the Whitecaps and follow the same kind of footsteps that Alfonso Davies took. But, uh, yeah, I mean... In the next little while here, I think a lot of things will play out for, for Gloria Amanda. Uh, we're waiting patiently for that May 27th, May 27th announcement of, uh, of this award because I think, I think he deserves it. Are you still in touch with him? I am, yeah. I spoke with him the other day. Yeah. Right on. Wish them well. Well, tell me when I'm on Inside Sports. <laughs> Oh, he would, he would be more than willing to do it. He's, he's a, a, a humble kid, and uh, he's, a, he's a great, great um, story. And, you know, like, I'll tell you this one quick story, Reed. He came into my class um, right, before, right before one of our big matches, just to kind of give you a perspective of the kind of kid that he is. Uh, we're all doing our, you know, a pregame speech, and, and I'm talking to the kids about, you know, what we need to do on the pitch. And Glory comes to the front of the class and he does this incredible speech to fire up the, the group. Like I'm talking, it was an Al Pacino performance and he was just spewing some unbelievable, you know, fiery kind of uh, speech that just kind of got everybody going. And that's the kind of person he is. That's the kind of guy he is. He, he, he's full of passion. He loves to score goals. He's just a, a remarkable kid. Well, definitely a name that we got to keep in mind here, and it's uh, it bodes well for Canadian soccer and another feather in the cap of the Edmonton sports community and coaches like you, Marco, who helped develop all these awesome players. Thanks for giving your perspective tonight. We'll definitely keep in touch. I really appreciate you telling Glory's story. No problem. Thank you, Reed. That is Marco Bazo checking in, uh, former coach of Edmonton's uh, Gloria Amanda, now up for the Herman Trophy as the best U.S. college soccer player. So we'll keep an eye on that. Where are we here? 90 seconds into the third period, Toronto and Montreal in a 1-1 tie. And the Lightning and the Panthers about six minutes into overtime. Still tied 5-5. And the Penguins leading the Islanders. 5-4 with three and a half minutes left in the third. We have a very unique Oilers playoff angle coming up next. Quite frankly, it's one that makes me a little bit uncomfortable, but we're going to do it. Lomberg, the overtime hero for the Florida Panthers. They beat the Lightning 6-5. Lightning lead the series two games to one. Hey, we want to send you golfing to the Ranch Golf and Country Club. You can go to the 630ched.com contest page. 
enter to win a pair of golf passes to the Ranch Golf and Country Club. Okay, I guess I guess we're actually going to do this. I've had this guy on the show before, and I, I, I like him a lot, but this one feels a little different. Thankfully, this is not an in-person, in-studio appearance. Uh, Matt DeBurs from the Kissin' Country Morning Show is uh, joining us. Hi, Matt. Hey, Reed. How are you? Well, I can't believe this is going to be my first question under these circumstances. What are you wearing? Uh, take a guess. Is it nothing? Correct. All right. Why, why are you naked all the time for the last few days? What, what's happening here, buddy? Uh, well, um, the three of us, Chris, Jack, and myself from the Kids and Country Morning Show, we got together and we said, how could we support the boys? How could we really help the Oilers, you know, nobody in the stands, how could we give them a little bit of motivation? So I think it was Chris who threw out the idea, and then we kind of just snowballed. I decided that I would go naked and then add a piece of clothing, piece of clothing for every goal that Connor McDavid scored. So uh, yesterday he didn't score, so I'm still naked. So this is naked of work, driving to work, and even in your own home. Uh, there are There is a little exception right now since I'm still in my birthday suit. When I have to be a parent, I kind of wear a towel. At work, I wear a towel so I don't catch a charge. So I, I'm not completely naked. I'm looking forward to the first goal so I can wear some underwear at least. Oh, the underwear. I was going to ask. The underwear will be the first thing. You're not just going to put on socks or something like that. It will be underwear first. Well, I could go Donald Duck and just go T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so what? what is Sheets doing then? What's his shtick? Like, is he going to throw up a, a, a piece of meat at somebody every time the Oilers score? Uh, yeah, if you're in Thorsby right now, uh, right now, watch out. There could be like a ribeye just being chucked out of his new truck. But right now, everybody's just getting behind the whole Connor Matt naked, uh, really uh, helping me out, keeping me strong during this whole time since I can't really leave my house. I uh, almost went to get the mail today, but then my wife went, so still inside, still naked. How, how does your wife and perhaps your extended family feel about this project? Uh, little did my mother know when I got into radio business, I'd be doing something like this. I'm sure she's super proud. My wife was less than excited uh, to hear what we were doing, but I got to help the boy. It's for the boys, Reed. So what, so for every time McDavid scores, you will, and it has to be a goal. Assists do not count. Yeah. Cause like, I don't want to die heat stroke. If they get to the third round. Oh, wait, you're going to keep, so you're going to, th- then you'll keep putting on clothing. Yes. So if he if he scores thirty goals in the playoffs, you're gonna have to keep adding. Yes, I will, and like I'm not gonna be chintzy with it. Like necklaces, rings, anklets, toe toe rings don't count. So I'm gonna start with so- underwear, socks, maybe shirt. I don't know about pants. I'm kind of digging the whole no pants thing, and then we'll go from there as in like you know jersey, jacket, sweater, that kind of stuff. Well, I, I, I'm glad that uh, quote we can now play on the inside sports highlights for 2021. I'm kind of digging the no pants thing. That's from Matt <laughs> Kissing Country, morning show personality. So, are you have you told? Obviously, all the listeners know about it. Have you told the Oilers about this? Have you tried to get this information to number 97 himself? No, not yet. Um, 
Oh, Jack Michaels is doing a feature on our show now in the mornings, uh, pre-games and post-games. So he, I don't think he, we even dropped the news to him that I'm naked when he's yeah, talking don't, to us. Don't tell Jack. Please don't tell Jack. Okay, I won't. Yeah, he may not join us ever again. But no, I like if, I don't know. You got a line. Tell Connor that there's a man out there that refuses to put on clothes until you score a goal. Well, I might have to, especially if this stretches uh, deeper into the series. What is the – and you and I uh, – I, I feel like you and I really get along, even though we don't see each other in person a lot. Um, but I, I do enjoy your uh, your sense of humor. You have been in studio with me a couple times. Honestly, this makes me a little, a little bit queasy, but but that's okay. What's the craziest stunt you've ever done as a radio host? This is up there. I mean, if the others – go deep and say McDavid has like one goal and 30 assists. Like it's going to be a rough month or two. I'll say that. Um, other ones I did hop in a Easter bunny suit, holding a defrosting Turkey to the Ronald McDonald house to give them the Turkey. Um, what else? I, uh, I, I wrote in it. When I was first dating my wife, I, uh, rode a, a mechanical bull. I think it was for three hours when I was just starting on the show in a sumo suit. She came to visit me and she still married me after. How sweaty were you? It, it was more nauseous. Like the, it was, a, it was like a breezy day, but like it was on the, the bull was on the lowest setting, but still it's just like, Oh God, I got motion sickness after. So it was hard to look cool doing that. That's for sure. There's been some other stuff. I can't, I, I, I did streak at a concert once. Underwear on in a duster. <clears throat> There's some other stuff. I can't. I can't remember them all. They do me. They make me do all the weird uh, stuff. Uh, a long and glorious resume. How'd you feel about the game last night? Well, how are? What are you like as a fan? Are you a nervous fan? Are you enthusiastic? What do you like when you watch a game? Uh, we talked about this on the show. Yeah, a couple days ago. How I like watching the game with other people, but my wife doesn't like hockey, and I can't go see other people right now, obviously. So I have to watch it by myself. I'm much more nervous by myself than I would be in a bar setting, but. I thought they played well, right? Just a couple of bad breaks, bad bounces. They controlled the play for a good chunk of that game. Could have went either way, but I feel like they're going to bounce back. Connor's going to get a hat trick so I can put on some socks and underwear here. Well, I, I really uh, hope for that more than I've maybe perhaps ever hoped for anything in my life. Uh, Matt, thanks for, for telling this important part of your story and uh, enjoy your nudity while it lasts. Well, thank you very much. Uh, see you at work, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'll be That's in the first. <laughs> that is Matt DeBurs. Check it in. Uh, great guy, kissing morning show host who is naked. He will add an article of clothing for every playoff goal Connor McDavid scores. Connor, if you're listening, because what else does Connor McDavid have to do in the evening besides listen to inside sports? If you're listening, please score tomorrow early, a couple early ones. That would be nice. I'm sure uh, Sheets and Jack would like that as well for the morning show. Okay. (laughs) That was good. We get all the big stories here on Inside Sports. Penguins have beaten the Islanders 5-4 to go up 2-1 in the series. Panthers over the Lightning 6-5 in overtime. Tampa Bay still leads it 2-1. Canadians and Maple Leafs still tied. Seven minutes into the third, John Tavares knocked out of that game early, taken to hospital. And Minnesota with an early goal. Ryan Hartman, 216 in. And the Wild lead the Golden Knights, one zip. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 5 for the faceoff show. The game is at 7 between the Oilers and the Jets. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2. 
The producer of the show is Dave Campbell, studio producer this evening, Kellen Kennedy. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.